be a hearer of the word? What does it mean to be a doer of the word? Today and for the next few weeks, we're diving into the letter of James, this New Testament letter well known for that phrase, be a doer of the word. We heard it ourselves a moment ago in the passage from the first chapter here, but it's a theme that runs throughout the book, and an important one, as James will encourage us to claim and own our faith, to live the countercultural and challenging practice of building a Christian community that loves honesty and authentically. It's a powerful invitation that all begins here, with a few jumbled paragraphs about gifts, anger, fears, and pure devotion. And let us begin with prayer. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Every good gift comes from above, writes James, but my watch came from my Father. I have a few favorite gifts, and my watch is always near the top of the list. It was a college graduation present which I opened in front of my mother and brothers as we all sat in the front bedroom of a dilapidated college house I rented my senior year and could not wait to move out of. I was ready to keep on going, to get started with the rest of my life. And my father wasn't there except in the gift that I had to unwrap because he had been stranded at home by an exploratory surgery in his lungs that eventually lead to a cancer diagnosis. The procedure and the drain left in his chest cavity meant that air travel and associated changes in head pressure would risk a collapsed lung, which would surely overshadow my graduation celebration. So he sent just the gift instead. It was a beautiful watch. As a striking silver casing and a muted leather band, the face was elegant but not ornate with an unusual touch I'd never seen in a watch before. There were whole sections of the watch face that were cut out the sections were cut out beneath the hands, and so they revealed the timepieces in the mechanism. There were tiny wheels and intricate levers, all perfectly placed and ready to keep time. The only trouble was that they weren't, yet, they weren't keeping time. They took the watch out of the box, and I flipped it over to see a glass window on the backside showing the underside of the watch's inner working, but absolutely no place for a battery or anything remotely electric. There was a dial on the side, but I used it to set the time and couldn't figure out how to make it do anything else. And so I wasn't sure how the watch ran, and neither was anyone else. It seemed apparent it was entirely mechanical, but then how was I supposed to get it started? It took a phone call to my father to learn that it was an automatic winding watch, one that would use my natural movements while wearing the watch to wind itself. And that to get it started, I simply needed to wind the dial on the side without pulling it out which I hadn't tried yet. And so when I did, the watch started ticking immediately, and I was immediately enchanted by the spinning, whirring movements of its mechanism revealed to the world to see. It's unusual to see what makes something tick. We usually have to guess at what's on the inside from what's visible on the outside, or else we have to perform risky surgeries to poke around under the surface in murky, unfamiliar territory. But this watch, they bear all there was to see about what made it run. Every little mechanism ready to harvest the energy I had to offer and keep the world spinning in the mechanical beauty of a stacking proportion. And for a time, my 
enthusiasm for tackling the next phase of life kept time moving forward. There's a natural energy that extends from something like a graduation, instinctive energy that propels us from the conclusion of one stage of life into another, from the end of one school year into another, from one job to the next, from what was into the hope of what will be, an instinctive energy that easily translates in the hustle that keeps us doing and ready to get it all done. Oh, but life is tiresome, and the energy of the sprint tends to leave us panting just a few hundred meters down the track. I took to calling my watch a poor man's Fitbit when I first noticed how it would stop, uh, how it would lose time or stop altogether if I didn't move enough while wearing it. If I didn't tend to my watch, didn't get up from my desk and take at least a few laps around the house every day, time would slow on my watch until it stopped altogether. The company said that the watch can keep running for up to 36 hours without being wound, which is impressive and understandable. Doing the work without tending to the mechanisms that drive the work forward will leave both a watch and a person drained and spent. The book of James is sometimes seen as an instruction to just get out there and do the work of faith. But nobody can work forever just because we think someone in Scripture told us to. Martin Luther was famously opposed to James's whole book because he worried that it implied that doing the acts of faith were what saved people, no matter what was going on internally. He compared it to Paul, who said that we're saved by faith and trusted salvation, the saving hand of God, rather than those beautiful acts of people. And he wasn't wrong. We are saved by faith. I think Luther was just reading James wrong. James and Paul could hardly be more dissimilar. Paul wrote in circles and sweeping logic, winding around the point until he finally said it outright and then repeated it a few times just for good measure. James couldn't find his way around the bush if he tried, and so he just comes right out and says what he needs before moving on to the next point. Some have thought this to mean that James's whole book of scripture is just this collection of one-point paragraphs about faith compiled together in a sort of vast collection with no connection between the various points. Luther described the book as an epistle of straw, with this idea that every point was a strand of straw just randomly gathered up and bundled together. And if this is how we read James, we wouldn't come to the same unsatisfying conclusion as Luther. This passage does say that true devotion or true religion is what we do, is caring for orphans and widows, is keeping the world from contaminating. But James also says to welcome the word planted deep within us. Our passage this morning begins in a transitional section about gifts given by God. James is writing about people who have experienced immense struggle in their faith, who have been tried and tested every which way they can imagine. And so James wants to be sure that they remember that God gives good gifts which sustain us. In every extended time of difficulty, like a season of loss or of grief, like a worldwide pandemic, it can be easy to numbly keep on doing the work, easy to push through by doing what we believe we're supposed to do, easy to focus only on maintaining the work we do while we let our internal motivation with But a watch can only keep time for 36 hours after being found, and people not much longer than that. 
these gifts is that we are birthed by God's true word, which led us first to new life and sustains us while we're there. As James says a few lines later, we are to welcome this word, which is planted deep within us, this word that is able to save us, because, pardon me, it's not the word that saves us. It's the word. The word of God is what makes us tick, what keeps us going, what drives the work we do. In the first 27 verses of this book, up through the end of this morning passage, James uses terms about knowing or perceiving some 17 times, while the same words only appear in the remaining 81 verses just seven times over. He begins with perception, with understanding who we are and what keeps us going, because the right perception, the right understanding, drives the correct action. Like the good gifts of God, Reveal God's way character, James focuses on what emanates from us as indicative of what we hold within. It's unusual to see what makes someone tick, even ourselves, so we have to pull away at the face of it by looking at what we do. And this is what James is looking at in this passage. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to grow angry, he says, because we need to discern where our words are coming from. Speak too quickly, and we're liable to respond out of our base desires. While well, a pause for reflection can connect our words with the Word of God within us. Do the Word, and don't just listen to it, he says, because it's easy to go through the mechanics of listening without understanding, easy to go through the mechanics of faith without embodying it, all too easy to continue on without thinking, without changing, without living from the movements of God within us. True devotion, he says, true religion is to care for those mistreated and not aligned by society, to not let the order of the world prevent us from upending the world's orders, to protect the powerless and the discriminated, the silenced and the weary. And while it's work that anyone can do regardless of faith, it's important for us to draw it from our faith, because we, it's wearying work that can hardly be sustained otherwise. How long before we have nothing left to give? if we are not first motivated by the love of God which promises a full redemption of creation? How long before we let our watches settle on a single time, forever and always doing what we needed to do then, but never reflecting on where God might be moving us now? It is note on this final verse, John Wesley wrote that this, describing the acts of true religion, this cannot be done that we have given our hearts to God and love our neighbor as ourselves. And indeed, we cannot, we cannot maintain the outward work of faith without tending to the inward winding movement of the word within us. We cannot keep up with what we are called to do unless we first find the love of God within us to love our neighbor in the present moment and let that love guide us. A week and a half ago, we had our first ice cream social in a little while. It was a unique experience, particularly for the many times that someone came up to me or any of the rest of our volunteers to try to pay for the hot dogs and the ice cream we were serving there, the only trouble being that everything was free. One of them reminded me that there's no such thing as a free lunch, and while I didn't have the wit to respond that apparently there was, I insisted that everything was free on purpose. Every good gift comes from God, I suppose I might have said, and as the good gift of God's word and God's love has been planted in us, it has shown itself in a few free hot dogs, 
and scoops of ice cream. For a lot, as it turned out, the heat we saw some 175 people and served up nearly 200 hot dogs, scooped some seven or eight gallons of ice cream, and we gave it away all for free. What emanates from us says a lot about who we are on the inside. What makes us tick? The word of God planted in us. The spirit of generosity that drives us to give back for free. The love that has taught us to care for one another. The hospitality and the welcome that we learned at the feet of the saints who embodied that faith before we ever began our own journey. We're not called to do what we always do just because it's what we do. We know what makes us tick, what drives us to keep moving time forward, what winds us up and sets us loose in the world to embody the spirit of love that God has given us. No, the acts don't save us, but the saving grace within us isn't done with us until we let it out in what we do together. So we tend to the winding movement of God within us so that we can share the love of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us continue in worship as we sing our next hymn, which is, Lord, I Want to Be a Christian, number 402 in the hymn. Those online will see the words on the screen. Let us sing together.